Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. If I bleed tonight, if I am sad tonight, I don't have a job to find. And if I work tonight, I'm so tired tonight. I'll fall asleep when I'm home, when I'm Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of the Power Slam podcast here on ICRWrestling.com, wherever you listen to your podcast or Patreon 24 hours early. My name is Kenny Mattintosh. I want to thank you for sticking with us because we didn't get a chance to do what's going down this week because I was on tour with Mr. Jericho, but I'm now here with Mr. Finley Martin Finn. How are you? Have you missed our podcasting escapades? Well, of course I have, and I miss you as well, Kenny, but oh. I mean, needs must. You're out there. You know, bringing Jericho to the masses. How did the shows go? It went. It went well. You know, obviously dealing with Chris Jericho was a was a good starter for how demanding you're going to be to me, Finn. You know how much you're going to need taken care of um, on these. Po- no, I'm kidding. Um, no, it was good. It was very very fun uh, to do the shows. I think they were some of the the better shows we've ever done. We obviously did the inside the ropes style of interview this time around. And the last time we did it with Chris, he did his one man show, and I think that. You know, even he sort of said to me, you know, the, this is the way to do it, uh, which was, you know, nice to hear. And um, yeah, it was the, the people in, in, in the cities really liked the shows. Uh, the meet and greets went really well. Um, I was I was very fearful during the tour that travel was going to get in our way. Um, that well, so I will I will tell this because this this did get so we were we were doing all the travel right. And Chris was going to be in London doing something before the tour. And then he was going to come to Glasgow on Monday, do the Glasgow show. Then we'd go to Belfast on Tuesday, do the Belfast show, then London Wednesday, right? That was the the route of attack. And we were planning the tour and Chris and I were chatting and we were talking about, you know, right, this flight here, this flight there. And he'd said, you know, you guys have those uh, first class trains, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And he was like, "Could could I do one of those 
from London to Glasgow because then it's just like he just gets on the train, he's on it, and he can relax till he gets to Glasgow. I said, yeah, sure. So I book him the first class train, Avanti West Coast. Horrible, but Avanti West Coast were the ones you, you book it with. So we, we book the train, all, all's good. At least there was no train strike this week, right? Yeah, well, there wasn't a train strike, but there was train cancellations. Oh. Uh, the end. Of, so what happened was Chris got on the train, got on first class. So because obviously on first on, on the first class train, if you've ever done first class trains in the UK, um, and they're not that expensive, so you can do them. Um, that you know you go on and basically they will give you a meal, like a hot meal, breakfast, yes. lunch, or dinner, whenever you get it. You know you can get a couple of drinks, soft drinks, whatever you want. Um, so you know that was going to be what what he had. So. He gets on the train and and it sort of pulls away from Euston Station, um, ten thirty on Monday morning, and as it pulls out the station, some somebody gets on the tannoy and says, "Ladies and gentlemen, this train has been declassified." Oh no! I know what that means. So, because there have been cancellations on other trains, this train has been declassified, which means that if you've paid hundreds of pounds for a first class ticket. You get no service whatsoever. There was no, not even a, a you know, a, a cart for you to go and buy a sandwich or a, a bottle of water or whatever. Nothing. And I'm and I'm messaging Avanti West Coast going, this is out of order. And they go, well, you know, unfortunately there was cancellations. I was like, right, but we've spent X amount of money on this, and you're and and you're basically given no service. And they were like, oh, sorry, you feel that way. Sorry, I feel that way. And so so then he and. But we're at a point where you can't do it. You have to apply for a refund on that, won't you? Yeah, well, I'm going to, 100%. Yeah, make sure you do, because you will receive it. Um, but, like, the thing is, like, the problem was, you know, when, when you're doing these tours and you're managing this stuff, um, it's it, you know, there's, there's there's nothing we could do at that point in time. And Chris, to, to give Chris credit, Jericho was very understanding to, to us about it, but obviously was frustrated at the train company, as he should be. Um, you know, because you can't exactly get him off. So you can't let him off in Wigan and then try and you know get him somewhere else or whatever. So, <laughs> so there's well, you know, he could have gone down the snake pit, beaten <laughs> everyone up. You mm-hmm. know, he would have just gone down there to the, you know, Riley's old gym. You know, I don't think that exists anymore actually. But he would have <laughs> gone to the, the modern equivalent of that and just beaten everyone. He could have, and then hopped back on the afternoon service up to Glasgow. Um, but so the, the travel was rough though because we had that on the Monday. Then on the Tuesday, we, the crew were all travelling to Belfast early with EasyJet. He was travelling to Belfast mid-morning with uh, British Airways. And obviously there's been a lot of British Airways cancellations, there's been a lot of EasyJet cancellations, so that was kind of on the mind. And then the Wednesday, again, Belfast. To, uh, so, so there was just this whole thing of like, making sure that everybody, crew and Chris, got on flights and trains. And that was the most stressful part of the whole thing because anything else, you you can you can deal with, you can take care of. You can't take care of uh, the sort of crap travel woes that people are having right now. So we were very lucky um, compared to what it could have been like. But apart from that, it was all good. Well, um, I'm pleased to hear that, Kenny. So, and I know that we, had we been on uh, what's going down on Tuesday, we would have covered money in the bank in detail. Um, but obviously, you know, it's almost a week past now. It was six days ago as we recorded this on Friday. So I just wanted to quickly get your take, Finn, on the top things in the show. Now, you called this, I think you even called this last year, actually, I want to say. You last year said Liv Morgan will be 
you know, miss money in the bank. And she was. And not only did she miss money in the bank, she also cashed in the briefcase later on in the show on Ronda Rousey and won. So, I mean, big night for Liv Morgan at Money in the Bank. I mean, I, I assume you were happy for her and also happy for yourself that your prediction was 100% true. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not sure if I really wanted to see a cash in that night. Um, but I mean, the people in the MGM Grand Garden Arena were thrilled. They were ecstatic when Liv cashed in on Ronda Rousey after Ronda had retained the SmackDown Women's title against Natalia. Um, so I mean, I think it was a, a big success on the night. But I think I would like to have seen them just extend it a little bit further. Maybe for Liv to cash in at SummerSlam. But if she were to do so, maybe that would have been the wrong call because it would have been overshadowed by something else that's going to happen at SummerSlam. So I think, you know, in, obviously we don't know what's going to happen and you can only really base it upon what has happened. And then, you you know, you have this, you imagine this scenario in which it's going to be better than it was. But sometimes, as we know, that wouldn't be the case. And what they actually did could very well have been absolutely the right thing on the night. So, yeah, I think she was the right winner of the Money in the Bank, uh, women's Money in the Bank ladder match. Um, And, yeah, she's champ. And I think I remember, I think we were talking about Ronda Rousey as champ and we were trying to work out where it was going and what the benefits of all this might or could be. Uh, And I remember thinking or perhaps saying on the podcast that if Ronda as champ, even though she wasn't really showing a whole lot of enthusiasm for the role, if she as champ then put someone lower down the pecking order over, then that would be a very valuable and prudent use of Ronda Rousey and her star power. And that's precisely what happened. So, um, yeah, huge night for Liv. Um, I'm not sure if she was the star of the show, but if she wasn't, maybe the Street Profits and the Usos were the stars of the show. But, I mean, certainly in singles... It was her night. Um, and yeah, I am pleased for her. Absolutely, I'm pleased for her. Um, I'm curious as to what happens next. I'm really hoping Bailey returns because I think Bailey and Liv, I mean, I was saying, why is Bailey not returned to face Ronda Rousey? Mm-hmm. And maybe the reason is because they're going to pit Bailey against Liv. And I yeah. think Bailey is the perfect first opponent for Liv Morgan. Yeah, it would be good to see, and I think uh, it was a, it was a good moment for Liv. I'm really glad glad that the the, the audience reacted to it the they way that did, yeah, you the way that we hoped. And to give Ronda her credit, I thought that Ronda was very good. And I mean, she did the match with Natalia where they both worked hard, but nobody cared because obviously nobody, you know, no no anybody who had watched wrestling for five minutes knew Natalia wouldn't have a hope in hell of winning here. Um, but I thought when Ronda won and she was selling the, the, the leg injury and then Liv's music hit and you just heard Ronda say shit or, or saw her mouth shit, that was a really strong moment and sort of yes. sold the gravitas that Liv Morgan is a player. So Ronda does deserve credit for that. So she's now done two things, Finn, in this six-month run that have been good. Yeah, been productive or constructive. I mean, yeah, I mean, I thought Natalia and Rousey was okay. As you say, everyone knew that Rousey was going to win. Natalia was not going to be the person to defeat Ronda Rousey, obviously. But, I mean, I thought they, they, they had a, a good match for what it was with some, some nice reversals in there. Uh, slightly anticlimactic finish on the armbar, 
but Natalia had uh, done the damage to Rousey's knee, you know, and that was why Rousey, you know, in the context of the storyline was concerned when Liv ran out with the briefcase and made her intentions know that she was cashing in. Um, and it was a it was a really short match as well, which I think was the right way to play it, you know, for Morgan to score the pin really quickly on Rousey. And then afterwards, I thought it was really nice that Rousey presented the belt to Morgan after the match. Um, and they really lingered on Morgan, on Liv Morgan, for a long time afterwards. And they gave her like a long celebration there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, it, you know, it was... I'm really pleased that the audience responded in the way that Liv and WWE wanted them to respond. You know, they were very supportive of, supportive of this outcome and of Liv Morgan as champion in general. So, yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, you can't you can't really fault it, can you? You can't really fault it. I know I just did. Because, <laughs> oh, I should have done this. But I think when you actually look at it, you know, in a sober fashion and, you know, try and sort of pick it to pieces and say, well, how could it have been better? Well, yeah, it might have been better if they'd done this. I think on the night, everyone would have thought to themselves, you know what, that that was planned and executed pretty much to perfection. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and then, so the other obviously big moment of the night was that Theory would lose, well, the two big moments, <clears throat> Theory would lose the US title to Bobby Lashley, who was over like Rover in, in Vegas. The crowd loved him when he won the US title. And then he ended up being added to the men's Money in the Bank match, which was the main event. And obviously, you know, people were very excited about Liv winning. Theory didn't seem to pose to give the same, get the same reaction to winning um, or his inclusion um, in the main event. But obviously that's the, the way they're going to go. What do you think of Theory being the... I know you've kind of covered this a, a bit in uh, the next episode, next episode, next issue of Inside the Ropes magazine. But um, talk to me about how it played out in terms of him losing the title earlier in the show and then being the, the mystery person. Because mystery is always a tough thing, right? When you come out at the end of a show and you say, we're going to add something. Because the crowd yeah. are suddenly like, oh, what's it going to be? And then Theory... I don't quite know if he lived up to here's the mystery, you know, additional participant. What did you think of how they handled it? Yeah, I mean, it was added by Adam Pierce at the beginning of the match. There was no explanation, and nor was there an explanation on Raw the following night, was there? Mm-hmm. You know, we assume Vince McMahon is behind this, but I mean, that was not explicitly stated, was it, Kenny? As far as I no, know. there was no, there's been no mention um, of of it being Vince. I guess it's just like your the implication is that it's Vince, but I mean, yeah. it take the commentary team one line to sort of you know plant that in your head for sure, so we know that's what the idea is. Yeah, I mean, they could have just had like some footage earlier in the show of Theory after he had lost the US title to Bobby Lashley. It could have then just been. Him you know, walking into Vince's office. Yeah, exactly. He could have walked into Vince's office, walked out of Vince, you know, being miffed. And then he could have walked out of Vince's office with a smile on his face. And that would have communicated the message that Vince, yes, was behind this addition. And that Vince was once again, you know, putting theory before others and giving him a, a, a free ride to the main event. So, I mean... I mean, let's face it, a lot of people wanted Drew McIntyre to win on Riddle. He was really on riding the crest of the wave at the moment. Um, so, I mean, Rollins also, I think, would have been an interesting choice 
to win. But there again, he's done that before, hasn't he? I mean, Theory hasn't been Money in the Bank contract holder before, and he just lost the US title. So in a way, he needed something um, to offset you know, that defeat earlier on the card, which was quite a convincing loss to Lashley, I should point out, by tap out to the hurt lock. So, I mean, they obviously like Theory. They think he's going to be a top guy and a main eventer. And I think he probably will be a top guy and main eventer temporarily this year, if what I think is going to happen. We'll have to wait and see if he cashes in at SummerSlam. Maybe he, he actually stated on Raw two nights later that he would receive a rematch with Lashley at SummerSlam and then he would cash in the Money in the Bank contract after the last man standing match between Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. So that's what Theory stated on Raw. You know, this is his plans. Obviously, he's a villain, so he could have been lying. He may not have been telling the truth. Uh, But I mean, Theory becomes champ at the end of SummerSlam. I'm not sure if that's going to go down that well with the uh, with the W with the wrestling public. No, it feels too soon to me for him to be, you know, undisputed universal champion. Um, so, but I think they do have a plan. I, I, I am confident they have a plan here, and that when this story ends or progresses, rather, it will make sense. I don't think this has just been done willy nilly. No, you know, without. Uh, a meticulous thought process behind it. What do you think, Kenny? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think there is a plan. I, th- I think that if it was me, I would have done what you said. I would have 100% had the, the sort of planting of the seeds of theory uh, throughout the show, you know, the him getting out Vince's dressing room coming out. Because I think when, when theory came out, wait, so when Adam Pierce came out and said, you know, we've decided this money in the bank match is too big and we're going to add one more participant. It's like, I'm not saying you expect the Hardys returning at WrestleMania 33, but you know when they knew they did. But you, you, there was an air of energy which felt this is this going to be a big thing that's going to happen, and then it, and then it was a letdown because it was theory, and that was their fault for the way they presented it. The the, the letdowns on them, not on us, the viewer for, for or, or the audience member in Vegas being a bit like, oh, that, that's not that exciting. So I think they could have done that better, but I think that they do have a plan for theory. I thought that. He on the next night on Raw when he set up the match with Bobby Lashley for SummerSlam, I thought he showed a bit more of a serious edge to him that yeah. he hasn't really shown before, which I think is obviously going to be the way that he progresses up the card. So I like Theory. I think that he is decent enough, um, but you know he's 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 going to have his work cut out for him to you know, take all these opportunities and make them stick and last. I mean, I think he's doing well for someone yeah. who's so young. He's been, I mean, a lot of pressure. He's had to deal with a lot of pressure this year and he hasn't cracked. I think he's really, really solid in the ring. I mean, I think he's, his work all makes sense. Um, I mean, he's in great shape. I think he's done well in segments and on promos. I mean, he's still, was he 24? He's still very young. And uh, a lot of people in this position would have completely self-destructed. They would have just fallen apart. And they would have blown it. And theory has been very consistent in everything he's done. Um, I know some people resent him. They feel like he's been pushed too fast, too soon. And I get that. It is a, it's been a rapid ascent for him. But I think he's, I think he's done well with what he's been given. Um, and I think he's I think he's done very well given his age and his experience level. 
Uh, and also another thing, and we, we talked about this previously, he had a completely different character in NXT. This is a total massive trans, trans you know, obviously been through the transition. It's a new character. It's a different character to the one that he played so well in NXT. So he hasn't actually been this version of Theory for that long. And I think he's very convincing in the role. So it's too soon for him to be, you know, universal, undisputed universal champion for a long period of time. But if he's a caretaker or a transitional champion and he drops the belts, the belt or belts to a certain person at Clash of the Castle, <laughs> then maybe we'll all be celebrating his money in the bank uh, contract win, you know, after the Cardiff show and the Cardiff show ends. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see what they do. But there definitely is a plan. And it's funny, Finn, yeah. because plans are things that, you know, you you think out and can, you know, come to fruition. I don't know if the plans that wrestling entertainment series had were particularly good enough. I mean, this, we, we kind of had, we, we kind of poked fun at the expense two months ago. No, maybe not even two months ago, maybe six weeks ago when we ran down the card for the show that was supposed to take place in early July in, in the Motor Point Arena in Nottingham. And since then, uh, Braun Strowman pulled out, uh, the former Nia Jax pulled out. Um, and it was originally scheduled for June, wasn't it? June and then, and then it was postponed until this Saturday. And that's, as you're about to say, no longer happening. No. Well, yeah, because all these people pulled out. Chelsea Green pulled out. All these people pulled out. Um, you know, the former Aiden English, Matt, I can't pronounce his last name, Matt, we'll call him. Um, he sort of tweeted out publicly about them saying, you know, I, I had another booking opportunity that night. And, you know, because it was former colleagues, I, I thought I could trust them and take the booking. And, you know, I've not been paid and all this kind of stuff. So in the end, they've announced they're not doing the show. They, st- they say they still plan to run down the line. But um, nah, I mean, yeah, the show happened. was originally scheduled for the... Um... Motor Point Arena in Nottingham on June 4th, and then it was rescheduled for July the 9th. Um, and uh, yeah, they've announced on Twitter that it's been cancelled. Uh, dear fans and followers, this is what WES posted on Twitter. This is a statement. Dear fans and followers, unfortunately, we will have to cancel the event scheduled for this Saturday at the Motor Point Arena in Nottingham, England. We are deeply disappointed in the news that we have to share but with so many talent not showing up we will have no choice then to cancel the event it's not very well written our team worked so hard on this event day in and day out for the fans to come with a different type of wrestling event and believe that we still will be able to show that in the near future no you won't (laughs) all our talent that was scheduled have been paid in full Blah, 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 blah. And then they take a shot at the former Nia, Nia Jax. They say that she was paid her deposit as well while she changed her mind and did not want to show up and wrestle anymore. For now, we will have to apologise for this, but we promise that it will not end here. See you soon. Signed, Team WES. I mean, there's a, there's a variety of avenues we could take down with that. But number one, WES does not roll off the tongue, does it? No, it does not. Like, it's like we, it's like we have to try and stop ourselves from saying WW or WC or... Um, 
I mean, this is just the, the other thing I, I did hear. There was something I thought was just worth bringing up because I did hear Dave Meltzer mention this, and it's, it's I thought it was worth it. And um, a few people who are on the show, like you know, Mojo Raleigh and a couple other people who are on the show, are ex WWE people who have not once made any attempt to wrestle independently in any company anywhere. And the thing about that, that kind of shows you those people are just not that bothered about yeah. you know wrestling. Um, and, and look, that's their choice. That you know, it, they can 100% do what they want to do. But you know, if you look at people like Cody Rhodes when he left, or Matt Cardona, or Drew McIntyre, or whoever you want to pick, people who've gone, do you know what? If I want to make it in wrestling, I need to go and either reinvent myself, or I need to go and graft, or whatever it is. Yeah. And I think to bring in a bunch of people who, and obviously there are exceptions because you know people like Chelsea Green has gone out there and done a lot of stuff. But to bring in a lot of people who haven't really done anything outside of WWE since they left and weren't top people when they were in there, I, it just kind of screams to me like from day one you didn't have the right roster, you, you don't have any idea what's gonna what's gonna work. So to me, even the roster that they picked for the most part is kind of doomed from day one because it all feels like such a they're all taking the gig because you're saying you're going to pay them a lot of money rather than them really wanting to do it and really wanting to make this a a real thing. Yeah, absolutely. And prior to the June 4th event, I mean, we mentioned on the podcast that ITR hadn't, as far as, as far as I know, we hadn't heard from them, Nope, no publicity. And then it's like, okay, the events now have been rescheduled for July 9th, obviously now canceled. And we didn't hear from them in that, you know, four or five week interim period. It's like, well, why don't you get in touch? And I had to write something in what's going down in the last issue, just acknowledging what had happened. And I was like, well, you know what? I've been here before, back in the 90s, many times with wrestling promotions that announce all this event or series events that then don't happen. Or they announce this talent that you're suspicious of the, are the talent going to be there. Is this going to occur can I really include this information in the magazine? Because then readers would get upset with you for writing it in the magazine. Um, if these people then weren't at the show, people would actually blame me or Power Slam magazine. Oh, you said in Power Slam magazine that this person was going to be on this show in Coventry or London, you know, Birmingham or wherever. <laughs> it's like, it's your fault. Well, no, it isn't my fault. You know, it's like, so then you're put in a place in a difficult situation as to whether or not to actually publicize the event and the people that are scheduled or the promoter says are going to be on the event. Um, but yeah, we, as far as I know, the magazine didn't hear from w, anyone at WES, as far as I know. No, no not, not even a, you know, even if they didn't want to do media, which is dumb to not want to do media, but they yeah. also, it's not even like they were going, hey, you know, is there any advertising opportunities? for Absolutely. the you know because I, I always remember reading power slam and if there was a big <clears throat> uk wrestling show whether it was you know somebody bringing over some um, tna people aj styles yeah, impact Brown. always advertised their their tours in power slam magazine every year yeah and, and even like uk companies who would be bringing over some tna people or whatever they would have their you know if you were anybody who was trying to promote you would you would get in touch with power slam and you go right can we have yeah. an ad um and I'm not trying to say that, you know, Inside the Ropes magazine is Power Slam magazine. You know, if you, in 2022, for what we've done so far, you would think that we would, they would get in touch with us. Um, so yeah, it, or, to, or, to, or as I said, when we were talking about the original date for this show, perhaps we could 
interview some of the people on the show or the promoter or yeah. people that are involved and establish a relationship and and like maybe arrange press credentials so we could cover the show or whatever. You know, it's just like you need to communicate with people here. And if you do that, people are more likely to treat you as a serious promotion. Yeah. Obviously, there's loads of websites based in this country as well that have got a huge audience. They could have communicated with them or invited them to a press event or anything to publicize the show, um, to publicize the event and show that they're serious about running events in this country um, and serious about presenting um, the advertised lineup. And instead, here we are, like three days before July 6th. So three days <laughs> before the show, they announce on Twitter that it's cancelled. I mean, what a shambles. I do want to uh, give a little bit of credit, well, a lot of credit, actually, to um, the former Mojo Raleigh, because he actually, uh, so he's in the UK. He had been paid, I guess, and given his flights. So and here's what he wrote yesterday on Twitter. He said, unfortunate to see the cancellation of WES, because we should mention as well that in the WES did say that all their talent had been paid for the show. That's what they said. Now, I know there are British talent who have not been paid. As far as I'm aware, the British talent have not been paid whatsoever. But here's what Mojo said. Unfortunate to see the cancellation of WES, I was very excited to step back in the ring and hyped, see what he did there, to battle with Demo. I feel I really feel for all the fans who had interest in the talent on this show. To anyone that bought a ticket, I will be doing a free meet and greet this Sunday so we can all have a great time regardless and stay hyped. For those that didn't buy a ticket to WES and come to the meet and greet, 100% of that money will go to pay the UK local talent that were supposed to be on the show, as I've learned that they have not yet been paid. Wow. More info to come on that. Until then, I guess a week-long vacation in England with my beautiful fiance isn't the worst thing. And then he has uh, put out, you know, here it is, my friend, Sunday, I'm doing a free meet and greet for anyone that had a ticket or pay-per-view buy for WES. For everyone else, 100% of my meet and greet money will go towards the local UK talent that were booked on the show. Um, and he's doing it at the Merton Apprentice SW19 2RD. I don't know where that is. SW19. Um, is that in London? Let's see where he's going to be, just in case, because this is out on Friday, so people might decide they want to go. Collier's Wood in London. So he's going to be in London doing this meet and greet. So, I mean, you know, look, the fact that he's offering to do that um, is, is, is a really sort of classy oh, thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, what a nice gesture. What a good egg. You know, I mean, yeah. that's a really nice thing for him to do. So um, he should be congratulated for that. I'm glad you brought that up, Kenny. Mm-hmm. And if I lived in London, I'd probably go along. <laughs> I don't know if I would, but I support him. I, <laughs> I support him for trying. Um, well, I mean, in all seriousness, I mean, that's that's that there is, that is a, a good person doing that. That is a good person. Because the thing is, it's like, you know, a lot of the, because here's the, the thing about not paying the UK talent is that, the people in the, the UK talent are the people who get paid the least anyway. They're also the people who might have uh, not accepted other bookings to do this. So it's a real slap in the face that you're not going to pay the, the kind of the talent who probably are, are really uh, depending on that money that they think you're going to pay them because they can't get a new gig two days before the show or three days before the show. So, yeah. um, Anyway, so that that is the uh, the story of WES. I can't imagine we're going to be bringing them up again. Um, 
we should mention a quick note that um, this is a spoiler, but um, it is out there, so I feel like we should probably mention it, that um, Ilya Dragunov has surrendered the NXT UK Championship um, due to an injury on the latest set of tapings. Um, but I did just want to bring it up to you quickly, Finn, because I know that you are kind of our, our man on the ground watching NXT UK and, and sort of keeping an eye on it. How's Ilya's run been as champ, and how, is he, how do you think he's going to be sort of remembered in terms of his title reign? I mean, he's a really an amazing technician. I mean, he's the sort of guy, the dream match would be him versus Claudio or him versus Brian Danielson. I mean, that's like a dream match. Um, such a, an amazing tactician and, and, you know, a maestro in the squared circle. I mean, that match he had with Roderick Strong uh, in NXT UK a couple of months ago. If you haven't seen it, check that one out today. Seek that one out if you like your technical wrestling. One of the best matches of the year. Um, so I think he's an amazing in-ring performer. You can see he's so dedicated to his training, just in incredible physical condition. And somebody as well who's so serious about his profession and his art. Um, the problem with him is, in my opinion, is that he doesn't have a big enough personality to make it in the States. Now, that's my feeling at the moment. He yeah. just doesn't feel like a big enough personality. Mind you, Kenny, I thought that also about Nathan Fraser, and he's done pretty well in NXT so far. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, amazing talent, but does he have, does he have that big personality? Maybe, you know, maybe he does. Maybe he can go over there and and really, you know, impress people with his work. I mean, but I, as we know, there's a huge, it, it, a, it's a huge jump from regular NXT to main roster WWE. So I suppose it depends on what his aspirations are. It's possible that he'll just be satisfied with a move to NXT America, which you've got to figure is on the cards because he's gone as far as he can now in NXT UK. So yeah. like... Walter or Gunter, he's got to accept that, you know, he's reached his ceiling in the British promotion, WWE's British division. He's got to try his hand in the bigger time. And then if he makes it there, then maybe he could make it on Raw SmackDown. I'm not sure. But yeah, an an amazing talent. Um, Yeah, amazing talent. What do you think of him, Kenny? You'll have seen him wrestle many times. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm, I could be making this up, so I'm going to Google it while we're here. I think the I think the first time I actually really uh, knew of him and liked him was he had a match with Cesaro at a UK Takeover in 2019. Yes, NXT UK Takeover card of 2019. Cesaro and Ilya Dragunov had their match, and I wasn't really that familiar with him at that point. And he was so good in that match, and he really felt like Cesaro was equal at the time. And then, you know, then he starts having the stuff with, with uh, Walter at the time. Um, I think he's great, but I'm, I share the exact same uh, fears, concerns. That, concerns, yeah, that you do. I mean, I think the answer, if they were to bring him to America and they were, I mean, I don't know if they would want to bring him to the main roster, but if they did, it might not be the worst idea for him to be in Gunter's group, you know, as a kind of a... Yeah respect for previous battles and stuff like that. Yeah. You could always go down that route. I think if he was in a faction, he would do well. He, there's some wrestlers who are really good at being solo characters because they're big personalities, and there's some people who are better in factions. 
yeah. I think he would be a faction guy. And then, you know, maybe at that faction, he's in a tag team. And maybe that tag team goes on to have a good run as a team. I don't think he's going to have solo success, though, in on the main roster. But NXT US, I could see him going there and being uh, a solid part of that show. Um, yeah. Especially in ring. I mean, he could do wonders for some of the people on that show. So, yeah. Um, I think he would be a, a really good opponent for Bron Breaker. Yeah, uh, definitely. I think he was somebody who could have a very good break, give Breaker a very different match. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that would be a good role for him. Uh, somebody also on NXT, I just want to mention, Giovanni Vinci. Wow. Has that guy torn it up in that new role? Absolutely tremendous. I mean, he got over immediately. I mean, the precision of that, that guy's moves and movements is all inspiring, Kenny. Yeah, I mean, th- th- there's a lot of good, good, good people bubbling underneath right now. You know, there's a lot, of, there's a lot of good stuff going on. So you know, hopefully that will permeate into uh, main main roster stuff. And uh, we we should mention quickly the WWE ratings have been very good uh, the last couple of weeks. You know, even the July Fourth episode they didn't do as badly as I think people thought they were going to do. Um, so you know, ho- hopefully that that will mean uh, mean more of more of the same throughout the summer. Yeah. Um, we, there was a report yesterday by PW Insider that Sasha Banks and Naomi are off of the internal WWE roster. They've also both taken uh, WWE superstars off of their Instagram handles and changed it to professional wrestler. Um, I mean, if it, if it feels like they are they are gone, I know there's no point in dwelling on it again because we talked about it before. But I mean, that's yeah. that's the update. That's the update that seems to be uh, the case at the moment. So yeah, I mean, we've already talked about this at length, and um, you know, just to reiterate what I said previously, if they feel like their their careers are going to be they're going to be better off outside WWE, and they really don't want to be there, then they are better off not returning not being strong-armed or coaxed into returning. They're better off just leaving for a while, pursuing whatever it is they want to do outside WWE, and then potentially return a year, a couple of years down the line. Sometimes that can be a really good move. Yeah. I did want to ask you about, um, so you know, over in AEW, they've tried to kind of uh, minim- minimise how much uh, Jim Ross is on commentary. You know, he's now been taken off the first hour of Dynamite, he's on the second hour of that, he does that in Rampage now. But he got some fire this week for, you know, he's known for making mistakes with names, as yeah. we know. Um, and he called... And listen, Ro- Kenny, we've made some mistakes with names on this podcast. We have, we have, we absolutely have. So, you know, we're we're not immune to the criticism. Uh, just, I- just actually one thing, <laughs> I actually made a mistake in uh, the last issue of the magazine and just caught it before press time. So right. Please change that. Please change that. <laughs> I'm going to look like such an idiot. So, uh, yeah, we're certainly not immune to errors either here. No. Um, but the, so on, on, on this part, I, mean, I will give him this though. He did not, he didn't, throughout all of Forbidden Door or, or Blood and Guts, call Claudio Cesaro. And I was, <laughs> I was sure he was going to. I was convinced that he was going to. Although anyway. he, was having, he was having a really hard time. Uh, <laughs> in the name of the guy who tapped out to Claudio Castagnoli, wasn't it? Was it <laughs> a- Angelo Parker or Matt Menard? Matt Menard. Matt Menard, he, yeah. He, he, was, he couldn't remember the guy's name. 
He didn't he didn't put a name to him after he tapped out to the I think it was the Scorpion Deathlock, wasn't it? On top of the yeah, game. yeah. Um, but the uh, so but this week um, he ended up uh, calling Brody King Brody Lee, and I I just wanted to ask you. I mean, do you think them putting him on the second hour only is basically their kind way of kind of being like, right, this is the beginning of the end. We're going to phase him out, but in a, in a nice way, and not make it feel like it's disrespectful. I mean, poss- I mean, didn't he resign? With AEW earlier this year, like a long-term contract? He did re-sign, but I'm wondering if this is the beginning of them trying to phase him down to do something else or to, you know, maybe, maybe he's, you know, because to me, the, the strength that JR could bring now is like, you know, what is he excited by? What what programs or wrestlers is he excited by? Put him into something where he does sit down interviews with people who he could enhance, you know, because if you've got him and you're going to use him, there's no point in having him sit commentating Young Bucks matches when you can tell he's dying inside. (laughs) But he just is to a lot of the product. I mean, occasionally he grows quite animated, but I mean, he he was really struggling with the Blood and Guts match, like really struggling with it. You could see by the end, he was just like, oh, it's still going on this match. Hasn't ended yet. Oh, now here come the, here comes the glass. Here come the drawing pins. You know, <laughs> here comes the, you know, the fake fire spot. Obviously, they didn't do the fire spot, but they sort of hinted that they were going to. And like, oh, they're climbing up the cage now. And here comes the, you know, the big fall off the cage. And he just was not that into it. And we know, because we, and you know, Kenny, because you cover it every week. When we, when I join you for the monthly uh, 20-year-old WWE pay-per-views it's a completely different JR isn't it yeah there's he's so invested and I mean look the guys the guys in his 70s I'm not saying he needs to be but but at the same time it's one of those weird positions that you wrestle is a strange business in that you kind of have to show there's a set there's an amount of respect you need to show people that like say for example JR was stacking shelves in Asda yeah right if JR wasn't doing it well, he'd be gone immediately. Shoot. He'd be like, you know, sorry. Yeah. Whereas in wrestling, he he can be he's paid a lot of money and he's just kind of given this free pass to to, yeah. to half-heartedly commentate on the product. And I see that as someone who I, I still think he has his place sometimes, but I just don't think it needs to be all the time and you know i know he said that you know the the last contract the, the contract that he signed with AEW is the last contract he's going to sign but to me it's just there'll be a, there's a way to use jim ross for some stuff that's going to matter and i don't think it's weekly but then also the the other thing is is i actually don't think i think part of the problem is if you take jr away you need to have a play-by-play guy and i don't think i mean excalibur god bless him he has to you know read out so much stuff all the time you know it's like he's yeah. going, it's, it's like he's going your mother's been killed down the street but now there's the guy that drove with the amazon delivery and it's like everything goes on and you never get a chance to let any of it breathe yeah um so you kind of bombardment isn't it yeah bombardment of information all the time information overload you can't <laughs> take it in you can't digest it and then it's like we're on to the next segment quick before people lose interest but yeah, I'm with you. I mean, JR to me, we've talked about this before. Would he be better doing the backstage interviews? Now, 
The problem with that is, Kenny, as we know, Tony doesn't like doing the backstage interviews or the backstage mm. segments. I mean, whenever the whenever they film anything uh, backstage, it's always brief. It always feels rushed. It always feels cack-handed, like it's been crowbarred into the show. And that again, they always try to include more information um, than is, you know, proper or um, or um, helpful into whatever segment it is they're doing. You'll you'll have someone who'll be interviewed, then someone will get crash the segment, then someone else will show up. And then they'll have like a mini argument and then it'll lead to a fight and it all happens too quickly. It's always rushed. It's like, oh, we've got to get this out of the way so we can get back to the ring and present another match. And it's like these backstage segments never have time to breathe or to, you know, to achieve their purpose, which is, you know, to extend an angle. I mean, remember when Jericho was throwing fireballs backstage? It just came from out of nowhere, didn't it? Mm-hmm. And then, remember when he threw a fireball at a member of the crew? Why would you do that? Why would you throw a fireball at a member of the crew? It was like a comedy segment. So to me, yeah, JR would be, I think, far more productive for AEW if he were removed from commentary altogether. I just think his time has been and gone. I just don't think he, I don't think he likes the product. I don't think he really understands the product. I think he feels like wrestling has kind of passed him by. I think he just resorts to cliches all the time rather than actually saying anything that is particularly, you know, insightful or enlightening or helpful to the match or the talents that he's commentating on. Um, I mean, he doesn't use his old WWE cliches out cliches as much, although I think he did squeeze in really like a scalded dog in Blood and Guts. I think he did manage to you know, he unearth that one in the blood and guts match. <laughs> um, but to me, he just, he doesn't, he just feels like he's always big. He's athletic. As Bill Watts said, you always <laughs> with a big athletic man. And it's just like this homage to Bill. He doesn't really say that as much, but he did do once upon a time, these references to Bill Watts. Who cares about Bill Watts? But you, you know, know what it's like? It's, it's, it's like, so, so when I, I grew up and I fell in love with wrestling watching Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage, right? They were the two. I very rarely will 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 bash out Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan references because I know that that time has passed. Yes. and they were in the nineties. So exactly, you, you I mean, think get even just do a Steve Austin reference or something. Do something more recent. Well, he, he's not allowed him. He's not allowed to do WWE references, is it? They they never do WWE references, which is strange. And they yeah. they could they could do it in a way where it's respectful to WWE without feeling like, um, you know, the jealous of WWE or using WWE to, you know, get themselves over. I mean, I think there were ways of doing that. And especially since so many people in AEW previously wrestled for WWE or NXT, I mean, why not make those references on a regular, not on a regular basis, but more f- frequently than they do, because I mean, we obviously all know that that's where these people came from, and that's why they were hired in the first place. But yeah, Jr. I mean, maybe backstage segments. If Tony were to, you know, accept that, you know, backstage segments are, are very effective for getting talent over, um, and for um, introducing us, um, or. Um, you know, fleshing out the characters of talent who we don't really know. I mean, we still don't really know who Thunder Rosa is, do we? 
No, and she's now she's now in a bloody tag team. So I mean, to me, yeah, they should be. You know, JR should be interviewing Thunder Rosa in a series of, um, you know, sit-down segments backstage and including, like, childhood footage and footage from her pre-AEW career and, you know, how she fought so hard to get here and now she's champion and how proud she is and what she hopes to achieve as champion and who her, uh, her threats are and, you know, just things of that nature. So we get to know her. I mean, Thunder Rosa is a baby face, but she often feels like a heel. It's hard to really warm to her, isn't it? And mm-hmm. I think if we were, if there were, you know, a lot of personality segments broadcast on Dynamite, and then we would only have to be on nine seconds to two minutes. So not very long and just make them rapid fire with like, you know, lots of footage spliced together. Um, I think that would be far more helpful than an occasional match, which is all we really get from Thunder Rosa, or a or a running, you know, and then a you know a, a hurried brawl at ringside. Um, so yeah, I think Jr. can still contribute to AEW, but not as a commentator. I mean, fair, maybe bring him out a couple of times a year, or bring him out in a pay per view to call a particular match of someone who he respects, such as a Christian Cage. I mean, he seems to be quite enthused about Cage's heel turn, which I think has been tremendous, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just bring him out for a match that everyone knows he can respect um, and that he you know, can contribute something to and that he can get excited about more than anything. You know, he can sit there and can call it and get excited about it like he used to. You know, it's funny, like, it, it kind of reminds me of something that Jericho said earlier this week that, that I thought was, it's, it's worth comparing. So he was talking about when he came to AEW and when he got to AEW and he saw Orange Cassidy for the first time. And he was like, oh, my God, this guy is so dumb and it's so stupid. And he said he got to a point where he was like, I've got two choices at, the, at this point. I can either think the way that I thought and that's it. I'm just going to, or... I sort of learn that things have changed and I have to adapt with them to an extent. And that's what JR has to do. He either has to accept that things have changed and you're with AEW, you know? And it's not, this was not a shock that this kind of stuff was going to be here. You know, you knew same with AEW that, that some of the indie stuff that was, was, was what made people who were fans of the Young Bucks and different people were going to be on the show. You know, it's not that you took the wrong turn somewhere. So you have to put it over. That's that's the job. That's the job that you've that got. That's the job. Yeah, that yeah. is the job. He's if not I, an independent guy who's yeah. critiquing AEW. No. He's there to promote the product. That is his job. It's that simple. And if he's not willing to promote the product, then he shouldn't be there. He shouldn't be on the air. It's like if I if I if I worked for AEW and I was a commentator, I would I my job would be to put over the young bucks. That would be my job no matter what. And, and that's his job. For whoever's out there, he's supposed to make it feel like it's, you know, like call what he sees, but promote the stars. So anyway. Exactly. Same here. I mean, if I worked for AEW, I'd be there banging on about how brilliant the Young Bucks were as well. Yeah, well, <laughs> get the checkbook out, Tony. You're going to add a few more zeros into that one. <laughs> I mean, Matt and Nick, greatest tag team in the world. I love them. <laughs> Oh, God. Well, listen, that's about all we've got time for. I did just want to make a very, very quick note mention that um, Pat McAfee signed a multi-year extension deal with WWE, which is great news. 
I think he's been a great asset to WWE, both on commentary and for these occasional matches that he does. So I'm very happy to see that Pat's going to be sticking around for years to come. So am I, and I'm not surprised at all. I mean, they know that they have something special with this guy. I mean, talk about multi-talented. Kenny is almost as talented as you. <laughs> I mean, talk about paying people to say things. I mean, that's that's top of the league. Um, what about, I mean, Pat is, when he did that WrestleMania match, that was when you knew 100% that, I mean, because he'd had the stuff with Adam Cole and Undisputed Era in NXT, but at WrestleMania, he legitimately felt like one of the biggest stars in the show. Oh, he match. did. He did. Yeah. I mean, it's the aura, wasn't it? The charisma and the crowd interaction, and uh, you know, coming out with, to the White Stripes Seven Nation Army, and mm-hmm. fans were so into him. And you know, we we're talking. I was talking earlier about theory, how he's risen to the challenge so spectacularly. Really, I mean, mm-hmm. go back and look at that match. That's pressure. And um, you know, it was only a short match, but I mean, talk about a big pressure cooker environment and. You know, he handled that with a plum. I thought. I thought he did really well that night. And um, and yeah, Pat's as you say, a huge asset to WWE on so many levels. And um, yeah, I think this is a really a really good signing. I'm sure he's. I'm sure it's a. I'm sure he's earned. Uh, I'm sure he's been very well compensated, Kenny. Sure, I'm sure he is. Um, well, listen, that's all the time we've got for today. We'll be back next week to normal service with uh, what's going down Power Slam. Um, you can also catch more of us on, over on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Inside the Ropes, where this weekend we will be doing the second part of our look back at Impact's 20-year run, um, the Hogan-Bischoff regime, um, and much, much more. And also issue 23 of Power... Uh, issue 23 of Inside the Ropes magazine, Freudian slip, um, is up for pre-sale now at InsideTheRopesMagazine.com. It's got John Moxley on the cover, Um we hope that you will check that out as well. So, Finn, I hope that you have a good weekend, whatever you are choosing to get up to, whether it's out on the lash or whether it's a bit of DIY. <laughs> well, it's actually, yeah. Well, actually, I'm going out tonight, um, Friday good. in Lancaster. But uh, I'll be working very hard. And I'll be writing my from the top column or the rest of it. I've already started it. And what's going down, which, of course, is the always the last thing that you do. So, uh, so I've got a busy weekend coming up, but... When we speak next on, well, actually, we'll be speaking after this, but when we speak next week, <laughs> I will be finished on the magazine, which is always a relief. There you go. A couple of days to chill and relax. Um, we hope that you all have a good weekend. Thank you for all your support here. We really do appreciate it. And we'll talk to you soon, everybody. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. 
and United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 